When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So last week on the Tribe Supper, we looked back at the start of 2014 and how the foundations were put in place for the start to the current season. Looking back now for over the summer period, the signings we made and the start to the season, with the sign, I mean, obviously the signings were key, but you'd said that those signings were identified at the back end of last year, so we didn't spend the majority of the summer looking for the players who we wanted to bring in. The, the process had started long before the end of last season. Uh, I, I think pretty much from probably in January when he wasn't getting the players he wanted, he probably sat down with Gary Gill and the chairman and maybe drew up a list of six or eight players that he wanted and then scouted them extensively, uh, not just you know seeing how they play but also checking out their various skill sets, whether they would be available, how old they were, do they have a resale value and these things all feed into a long-term moneyball project that is aiming to make the club sustainable in the future. Uh, but Karanka's a... a, a professional, he's a, he buys into the, the, the science of football and that will be how they operate in, in much, across much of the continent so in this country it might be quite unusual that there's a, a recruitment committee but that is the norm in some of the major football nations so that's probably one of the reasons why he was such a good fit uh, but it's not just about the process I mean the people that they identified have all turned out to be really good buys Phil, you went away in pre-season. What were the kind of, you know, what did you take away from that ahead of ahead of the start of the campaign? I think I think just 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 before that, I think it's interesting to note that a lot of a lot of the scouting networks and the way Borough do business in the transfer market was introduced by Tony Mowbray. Mm. He saw a gap that needed filling in the club, and I think he deserves some credit for that because he wanted some investment in a scouting network. He a lot of what we're benefiting from now was in was put in place two or three years ago by Tony Mowbray. So, first of all, credit to him. And some of the, quite a few of the players that ended up at Borough were players that were identified under his watch, including Yelly Bosson. Um, the summer trip was invaluable, really, because it... Uh, I would say that, wouldn't I? But, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but the reality was that from the day they... I mean, the, 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 before they travelled out to Spain, they played a, a behind-closed... Does game mm. against the Romanian side. I don't know if you remember that down at uh, West Riding FA. Yeah. Were, won that quite comfortably, and Karanka said he was quite pleased with the performance. And uh, although the results aren't important, the performances. Then when they got to split Spain, their, their first pre-season match was against a, a team called uh, Lachina, a third division team from Spain. And Borough played poorly and were beaten one 0 And Karanka was absolutely furious. And a lot of managers would just uh, just brush that off. Think it's early days. We'll put that right in the next match. Um, Karanka didn't see it like that. He saw it as a, a basic lack of application from the players who didn't take opposition seriously enough. He mentioned the fact that they'd been back for pre-season training for 48 hours while his players had been back for two and a half weeks. Um, and it was so furious that he, um, I mean, the players were going to train the next day. Sorry, the players were going to get the next morning off. They didn't. He brought them back in for training. And, and it was just a, a, a marker, if one was needed, to everybody within the squad, including the management team, including himself, including the players, that 
everything you do when you've got a Borough training shirt on or a Borough football shirt on in a match situation or a training environment, you have to be at it 100%. And he will not accept any lessening of standards. So he said himself, it wasn't about the result, it was the performance. You know, what he, he castigated the players, he wasn't happy with the performance. The, he said the usual thing, they, maybe they think they're better than they are. Yeah. Um, of course he didn't have his whole squad with him at the time there were some players to come in but that just reminded everybody that everything he does has to be done to the maximum possible um, effort and you can't afford to leave something in the dressing room you've got to leave everything out on the pitch and uh, that sounds like a cliche but he that's his philosophy and that's why if you take you know if you if, if you if you give the small things 100% it's a lot easier to give the large things 100%. And was there a marked improvement from from then onwards? Yeah, I mean they've won the next two games and it, I think I think that just the message got through. If it it probably would have, you know, every team can have a blip can't they? But it was more about the way he went about making it crystal clear with everybody to the point whereby he chose the person to do the post-match interview and he chose the people to do the pre-match interviews and it was everything he it was evident that he was t- taking control of everything suddenly um he didn't want to do with the pre-match interview before the game against one particular team he wanted leo to do it or he wanted craig hignett to do it and there was a reason behind that i'm not sure exactly what the reason was perhaps it was just to make sure that everyone could see that it was a management team but the important thing was that he was making it crystal clear who was in charge and what was expected of everybody. And Birmingham was the perfect start, wasn't it? Uh, you know, at home, a good solid performance of three points. That was exactly what he'd have been looking for, wasn't it? Yeah, and a decent crowd to watch it as well. Uh, yeah, but I think it was quite clear then that the team wasn't wasn't ready, uh, and they had I think it was five debutants, and it was always going to be a case of those people who've come in taking five, six, ten games to get used to the intensity and the pace of English football. Uh, we tend to take it for granted. You know, but yeah, on the other hand, we will talk about the attritional nature of the championship. And If it doesn't matter because you've got another game coming along in three days, a lot of these guys were taken totally by surprise by it. Because no matter how much you train, that is a hell of a schedule. It's a really demanding schedule. And I think we saw... Uh, the next two home games for instance were defeats so we saw that there were some teething problems and the natural instinct of fans is to say oh this lot of rubbish why well, brought him in he, he can't do it uh, but Karanka had his shape he had his players and it was always going to be a question of once they gel and fine tune it was going to be it was going to come together uh, I think August was a an interesting month Obviously, it wasn't very productive in terms of points, uh, but it was interesting to see how quickly the players acclimatised. If we cast our mind back to the last major cultural transformation, which was Gordon Strachan, when he brought in his five or six players from outside the league, they, they cracked under the pressure of that cultural challenge. They'd come from an environment where they were used to winning, they were good players, no question about that. But they couldn't cope with the intensity of the games, the frequency of the games, or the idea that every single week it was a tough match. And a lot of a lot of people come from outside England, come from leagues where the balance might be more pronounced. You get a couple of gimmies, don't yeah. you? Mm. So you know, you might get one hard game in three. That's not the championship. You know, if you think that, you're going to lose. So I think it was an important month. 
I think for all those new players to come in and realise, no matter how good we think we are as a team, this is a bloody tough league. Yeah. I think some interesting things, when you look at that team that played at the start of the season, Seb Hines played right back, um, I think Luke Williams was in the team, um, Thomas Mejias was in goal, wasn't he? Um, Adam Reach, we thought at the time, was filling a gap that was going to be filled by somebody else. So... <coughs> It's quite interesting. It's not that long ago, and yet you look at that team. You think I'm surprised. And Bradley Fuster was in and around the squad as well, and played in the League Cup, by the way. Um, so it just shows you that the squad was in a little bit in flux because, as we know, Aitor was still busy bringing his players in, and um, a lot of the cr- crucial players hadn't arrived by that stage. You know, um, for example, Ryan Fredericks, who played so well. Um, so, so there's only it, it was a little bit of a stop-start. August um, did well in the cup won the first game, should have won at Leeds, or certainly shouldn't have lost at Leeds. And then a couple of really worrying performances against Sheffield Wednesday and Reading. Um, Sheffield Wednesday in particular, where they were just monstered by Stevie Payne. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you just thought, hang on a minute, surely this shouldn't be happening. But as we saw, when I thought finally got his players in, and that, and that international break was critical, I think. That came at the perfect time. On the Monday, the final pieces that a jigsaw dropped in place, and then he had two weeks to work with those players. And it sounds like a little thing now, but you think of the first game back after the international break, it was Huddersfield away, and Borough were the better team that day, deservedly leading 1-0. And then Huddersfield, in almost typical Borough fashion, grabbed a late equaliser. Now, more often than not, that would be that. But Borough went down the other end, and, and of course scored the winner in front of a fantastic turnout of away fans as well and and that really that set in motion everything else that followed because it, it, you had the fans there you had the workings of a team you had the squad available um, you, the, the team showed real spirit not to, to wilt after conceding a late goal and um, that 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 was really for me when the current season started in earnest as far as Borough were concerned prior to that was a little bit of a sort of a phony war um, and a little bit of finding out who can do what and as go back to Adam Reach I'm sure when he started the season he thought he was just keeping somebody's um, shoes warm you know. Um, and it turns out that the manager liked what he did he grew in confidence and now he's one of Borough's first names on the team sheet and that, that, that is good to see and it's, good, it's a good message for somebody like Luke Williams and some of the other younger players like Bryn Morris that if you come in the team and do the job that the manager wants you to do. He'll keep. He'll leave his signings on the sidelines. I think what's been particularly impressive. You mentioned it there with the way we'd bounced back from the, the two defeats. And every time there has been any form of stumbling block or a little stutter, they've responded, haven't they? The, obviously, the Wolves' defeat bounced back. The Hignett, uh, you know, obviously Hignett's departure bounced back with the results. That's been particularly impressive, hasn't it? It has, and it says something about the mentality of the manager and the way it filters down. As he says, from the chairman to the tea lady, everyone in the club now is totally geared to being successful. And footballers are strange creatures, and it's a long season. And if they lose, sometimes it's very easy to shrug it off. There's another game next week, no big deal, it's only three points. Let's all go down the town and get ratted. But that's not the attitude in this club anymore, you know. And you won't see players laughing and joking after the game and tweeting inane things an hour after the match kick when these players lose now they, they've really hurt Gutted. the attitude in the tunnel after a match now has been totally transformed I mean I, I, we have the privilege of, of seeing that close up after the game and we see the body language and the mechanics 
And if they lose, they're immediately, I mean, you know, in, in the dressing room after the game, they're immediately refocused and pointed towards the next match. There's none, there's none of this, get yourself home, lads, we'll talk about this on Monday. They're talking about it now. And then on the Sunday morning, they're in training. Now, I don't know if that was, that was always the case in, in previous days, but Sunday morning they do training. And that training session is all about the mistakes you've made in the match the day before. And it doesn't matter if you've won 3-0. Because if you've won 3-0, he's still more concerned with the mistake you made five minutes before half-time that didn't lead to anything, but he wants to go over that because that mistake is not going to happen again next week. And it doesn't matter if, you, if you've got a hat-trick. If you've lost possession down by the corner flag with five minutes to go, he's not happy. And you can feel that after the game. You can, you can feel that. These players now are professionally hurt if they lose a game. And the management is simmering at losing a game because it's, they feel it's something that they could have controlled better. So they want, to, they want to learn the lessons for it. There's no more shrugging off defeats at this club. I, I mean, that's the most impressive thing, I mm, think. I think one of the significant things as well, it, it, often it's not one thing. That, that changes a culture within a team. It's it's lots of little things, and and one of the things is is the team travelling together to home games from Rockcliffe Park. So they drive their cars down to Rockcliffe on a Saturday morning. They gather, they meet, they get on the coach, and they travel as one unit to the ground, get there, play the game, and then they get back on the coach, and they go back to the training ground. And that is it's obviously a very Spanish thing. Although Ito says they actually stay overnight before home games in Spain, but it's 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 instilling with everybody within that match day squad that there's only been one thing they're at work for that day, and that's the game itself. Everything else, the sorting tickets out for family friends and things like that, or or chatting to your mates after the match, or meeting some long lost buddy who happens to be at the game that day. That that is irrelevant. The the job in hand on a match day is the game itself, and that sounds really obvious, of course, because it is. But you, you had this, you had incidents last season where players were playing down in London and they wanted to go back and see friends and family or things like that instead of going back on the coach and I don't think Karanka always says you can't do something after a game but by and large his, his philosophy is no you travel you travel to the match as a team and we come back together and and you know players at that level are well played it's not a great sacrifice if they have to travel you know with the team home and away um, it's not a great imposition on them they've got plenty of downtime to see you know in the summer to see to see relatives so he sees it as just being fully focused on the job in hand. Your job is to get the best possible result for Borough at any possible opportunity. And if that means travelling to the game on a bus and going back home together on the bus, so be it. It's worth just adding to that that the players have not only bought into that, but are actually revelling in it. Mm. And they are all really good mates. And you can, if you follow them on Twitter, for instance, you can see that they all, they all follow each other, they yeah. all chat to each other. Uh, there's a really good crack within the, the, the squad. There's no factions. There's no division on the basis of language. There's no ba- division on the basis of seniority. <coughs> and they all actually are one unit. And I don't think... I mean, the, 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 the positive spin from that is that nobody resents someone else being picked ahead of them. They're all really supportive. If someone's playing and you're not, there's none of this simmering and oh, I hope he misses and oh, I might get again. They are all really want whoever's on the pitch to do well because they know that their position in the team next week 
isn't dependent on how well you play because the manager will be thinking about a completely different configuration of factors next week and you're still in the mix. There's nobody frozen out in this team. Ever so briefly, um, you mentioned Huddersfield fillers as kind of a, a bit of a turning point. Is there a game you think where the squad, obviously we always knew the aim was promotion playoffs, is there a game where the squad thought, yeah, you know, we really are as, as good as the best teams in this division, we, we can win this league, finish in the top two? Was, was there a standout game for that, do you think? For me, I thought Brighton away, because Brighton away tried to, they, they set out and they, they wanted to be physical, and within about two minutes, Borough had battered them into submission. Uh, George Friend absolutely clattered one of their lads in <laughs> the mid-air challenge in the back and laid him out. And any notion that Brighton had then that they could rough Borough up was just completely out of the window. And everywhere across the pitch, every single one of those, those players stood up for themselves. And it was almost as if to say, look, if you want to play football, we'll play football. But if you want to scrap, we're going to do you. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, for me, that was an important game. But also Norwich at home, because prior to that game, we were told that Borough hadn't beaten anybody. There was, this, there was this suggestion that, well, you've only played the teams in and around the bottom, and then any time you come up against one of the better teams, Borough being found wanting. Well, I think that night showed, uh, I mean, it was emphatic, wasn't it? At Norwich, a team that had come down from the, from the Premier League, everyone was talking them up as being, you know, making an instant return, and they couldn't live with Borough that night. And uh, I think that, for me, showed that, you know, they're not just Borough aren't just flat track bullies who can who can and take on the little teams and put them to one side. In fact, that's probably been more of a problem <laughs> the other way around. And uh, they scored that night and subsequently against, as Vic said, Brighton um, against um, Derby County. Of course, that was a great example of taking on a top team and, and, and really putting them to the sword. Fantastic! That rounds up the tripe supper for this year. Thanks for listening. <laughs>